Hey there, welcome to the REI Friends Podcast. My name is Catherine Storing and I am your host and I'm so excited. I just finished talking to Jessie Gillen. She is a two-time uh, guest of the podcast and we just had, it was so great to follow up with her and see where she's at after a few months of real estate investing and she's doing such amazing, great things and I love the growth, but we got really, really deep in the mindset and what it takes to to grow and learn and do things differently and know that you can do it even if other people that don't look like you do it so if you are interested and when i hear from someone that is maybe just a few steps ahead of you and want to hear about creative ways and the things you can ask for when you're buying a property and once you buy that property especially a house hack and you want to do unconventional things this is the episode for you as usual please make sure that you subscribe leave us a five-star review if you can and let us know why you like the podcast um in the show notes you'll have all the information on how to connect with jesse how to connect with us so without further ado let's get into this episode I friends podcast how are you hi very good how are you I'm doing awesome so I know you I actually have met you and you have been a guest of the podcast before but for those that don't know you what would you like to say about yourself so my name is Jesse Dillon. I'm based in Central Mass. I'm 30 years old. Um, I am a wife, a stepmom, a owner of two small businesses. One is a beauty business based in Medway, Mass, and the other is my newer real estate investing business. Um, I'm semi-retired at the ripe young age of 30, um, <laughs> and I brought my portfolio from $0 to $1.5 million just in the last nine months with five doors. That's it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Nothing big. I love it. I love that you're doing so many things and you're not limiting yourself. So thank you so much for sharing all the things. So before we go right into the real estate investing part, what is the other business? Because I'm really interested in that. I love it. So that was kind of my first baby. Mm -hmm. um, it is called the Glow Factory. It's a permanent makeup and beauty business in Medway, Mass. Um, we focus on cosmetic tattooing. So we tattoo eyebrows, eyeliner, lip color, and more. But we also offer lo lots of other beauty services, as well as some fun new ones like permanent jewelry and tooth gems. Um, we have been around for about five years now. The business has transformed so much in those five years. But um we have a team of, let's see, five artists and, um, yeah, we are small, but mighty. So we basically just help our clients wake up with their makeup, cut their morning routines in half, and just kind of face every day with a little bit more confidence and not have to fuss with makeup anymore. I love it. Wake up with makeup on. I love that. I love that. Phrase. <laughs> and I wanted to talk a little bit about that because it's so different from real estate and it mm -hmm. still allows real estate it's not so time consuming that you can do both, which I love and maybe three even. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, just a few months ago, you were uh, a guest uh, when we first started with the REI Friends podcast, and we're going to put uh, the episode number in the show notes. But what has happened? Catch us up with like, where were you when we you first started on the show? And then where you are now? Okay. So today we're recording this. It's like mid-November 2022. 
January of 2022. So this past January is when I made my first purchase. It was a duplex uh, nearby about 20 minutes from me. And I have two long-term renters in there. And then when we had recorded our podcast episode, I believe I was in the closing process this past spring for a short-term rental single family home up in New Hampshire in the lakes and mountains. Um, And we had talked a little bit about like how I analyze potential short-term rental deals and stuff. And then um, after getting situated, like closing on that deal, getting it set up, which was the weekend from hell, mind you, and we can talk about that if you want. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, But after like getting all situated with that, um, really getting our systems and processes in place, and we were having a crazy busy summer there, I wasn't ready to make another purchase. Um, I was like, I'm just going to stabilize. And like, once I feel stabilized, I'll take maybe a month to just rest and reset. Um, I'm sorry. So you, are you, are you making a disclaim that you took like a month? You're so cute. (laughs) Well, that was my, that was my plan, but (laughs) I stumbled into the perfect house hack opportunity. And, um, I, it's funny because we made, we purchased our first two rental properties. And when I say we, I mean, me and my husband, we purchased our first two rentals while we were still renting. So, we were renting a two bed, two bath apartment for us and my stepdaughter. And, um, we just had it so good. Like our rent was so cheap for this area and we really liked it. We lived really close to my family. So I was like, I'm not going to rock the boat unless it's for the perfect situation. I refuse to increase my housing costs. So if we are going to move at all, it has to be like, we're going to save money every month, but we're also going to be building wealth. And this property came up like not even a mile away from where we were living, which was great for me. Um, It's a duplex in a really small town right by the park and the pond. And like, it's a beautiful neighborhood. It's a beautiful, like our half is recently flipped. um, And we actually have our mortgage is 38.50 a month, which for anyone listening in other parts of the country, you might think that's crazy, but it's pretty normal around here. But of that, between our two tenants that we have, we pay fifty dollars, wow. which is crazy. From so Massachusetts, from anywhere in the world, but Massachusetts for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so on average, we actually now our cost of living is about a thousand dollars a month lower than it was when we were living in the apartment, and we love this house. So, like I said, we really weren't ready to make another purchase, but um, it was just the perfect opportunity. So we had to take advantage of it. Oh my God. It's so, so good. I remember when I, when you were first on the podcast and you were explaining how you did it and how some people didn't believe in the numbers, but you believed how, how do you know? Like, right. Cause it was so unconventional. You were doing different things. And some people were saying, Oh, that might not cash flow. It was so unconventional. How, and you were so new in real estate. How do you stay true to what you believe to know it would work in your gut? I think it's easy to like, fall victim to the naysayers and like, let those people get in your head and make you second guess what you know to be true. I think the most powerful thing you can do is just block out anyone who is not doing what you want to be doing. So I was only listening to the people who have purchased successful short-term rentals, who have purchased successful house hacks. Like those are the people I'm going to like take their two cents. Everyone else, I'm just going to completely block it out. And I kind of just stopped talking about it with people who I knew were going to be negative about it. And I know that a lot of times, like, especially if it's people in your network, like your family or friends, 
they might be negative just because they care and they don't want to see it go poorly. But if they're not real estate investors, then I'd rather just not get their input, honestly, because it messes with you. It messes with your head. It does. And it can, and, and if you already had a little bit of doubt, it's going to feed it. Right. So yeah. it's so good that you said such a great advice to listen to those that are actually doing it because they <laughs> are in the arena with you. I love, love, love that. So you're doing the house hack. How did you purchase the house hack? Did you do the traditional FHA loan? How, how did that deal work? Um, we actually had some roadblocks as we were trying to purchase this house. So I want to pull up my notes. So I actually, yeah, of course, that'd be great. Um, you know, reference all the details. So like I said, we weren't really looking, um, it was priced at five ninety, and, um, it was listed for a few weeks though, which I thought was kind of surprising. And, um, I went straight to the listing agent who was actually also the owner and the flipper. So it wow. was cool. Cause it was just me and him. There was nobody else like a part of the deal. So there was no game of telephone being played. Um, we offered asking price with no inspection because we really wanted it. We felt really good when we were walking it. There was nothing um, concerning that we saw. Um, and we also negotiated getting 12,000 in closing costs covered by the seller, which was great. Um, so as far as paying for it, we did use an FHA loan, but I was surprised to discover about halfway through the closing process that there are FHA loan limits. So depending on which County you're in, there's a limit to how much the bank will fund in total, depending on how many units are in the house. Um, so we basically had to not only come up with our three and a half percent down, but we had to find an extra $30,000 to come. To That's it. With. Yeah. Which is like, <laughs> you know, nothing to shrug off. Like it's definitely not sitting in a piggy bank or something. So, yeah. um, you know, I had a little quick crying fit about it and then I figured it out. Um, we were fortunate enough to have someone in our network who saw what we were doing and was really confident in us. And, um, they gave us that $30,000, um, at a 0% interest loan. So Mm. we got it done. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, So before you go on, I love that um, you acknowledge your feelings, which I, I, I know a lot of people when they are in the, in the, in the trenches, when something is going wrong, uh, the first thing is like, this is not happening. And I love the fact you're like, okay, no, this is, this is happening. Like stuff is hitting the fan, like seriously. Uh, But then you're like, okay, um, have this can do attitude, how are we going to get it done? And I love that because when you're doing real estate, you can be doing all the things, right? There's no way that you would know that there were going to be FHA loan limits. Like why? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for the counties, it's just really good to know for me. Um, but I love that you're like, okay, how are we going to get this, ha- make this happen? And the fact that you, did you ask him to, to, um, give you those, that concession at closing? Is that something that you suggested to, to the, to the seller? Yeah. So I had told the seller, like, we really want this, but truthfully, we were not looking. We, you know, are not fully equipped right now to make this purchase, but we don't want to miss out on it. And, you know, we're more than happy to give you asking price, no inspection, just the FHA inspection. But in turn, I really do need like 
this closing cost concession and our closing costs ended up at like 14,000. So we only paid 2000 of them and they were higher because the lender that I used had um, higher fees. And I knew that going into it, but I had used them for a previous purchase and I really liked them. So I was fine with that, especially if I'm not paying the fees anyway, they're being covered by the seller. Exactly. Exactly. I love the transparency. I think sometimes people forget that these are still people that there's nothing wrong with saying, this is my situation and every what I have learned and since I've been studying and learning all about real estate investing is that everything is negotiable, that you can ask for anything. I always say asking is free. I always say that you're not going to pay for asking and you might as well ask us. The worst you can say is nothing. Not no to me is nothing. So I love that you asked for that concession. And for him, um, you know, that market probably was when was this purchase made? What month was this? Um, I think we got under contract like in July and then we closed late August. Okay. Yeah. So probably the market was maybe changing because you said it was sitting there for a couple of weeks and you know how the market was like a house will barely hit the market. It will be so many offers. So he probably saw a great opportunity and decided, Hey, these people are also in real estate investing. Mm -hmm. Let me deal with them. So it worked out for everybody. That's what I love about the transactions that people have to keep in mind. It has to work for both parties. And if you're flexible enough, you can come to an understanding that it will. Yeah. I think it was a big win for both of us. Like, and I also think that we would not have gotten our offer accepted so quickly and easily if I didn't get to directly talk to the seller who also happened to be the listing agent. Like when there's, you know, the buyer and the buyer's agent and the listing agent and the owner, and there's just that many cooks in the kitchen, I feel like a lot gets lost in translation. And when you can't get that FaceTime and make an actual connection with the owner, I feel like it is a lot harder to um, bargain and really come to an agreement that's a big win for both of you. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So, okay, so you guys do the house hack. Um, how are you doing the house hack? Because I know there are some things different about how you guys are doing it. So walk us yeah, through it. We have like a beast of a house hack going on. <laughs> so um, it's a duplex, like I said. Our side has um, four bedrooms and two bathrooms. The other side is one bedroom, one bathroom. Um, on the other side, we have a long-term tenant who is amazing. And um, I actually found her through my network of clients from the beauty business. So nice. it just goes to show that like, you know, harnessing the power of social media can get you really great tenants that you already know. And, um, you know, it was great that I already knew a little bit about her and what she does for work and her personality and everything. Cause she's come in for multiple services. So, um, that was really seamless, but we don't need the four bedrooms on our side. And the thought of getting our mortgage almost completely covered was too good to pass up. So I furnished an extra bedroom in our side and um, we rent it to, we do midterm rentals in it. So we rent it to traveling medical professionals and um, our first one moved in about a month and a half ago. So she's halfway through her stint, but she actually might extend. And um, that's what brings our mortgage to just $0 as far as our portion that we're paying. And I have so many people messaging me after being on the rookie podcast, just saying like, how is that working out? Is it still working out good? Like, what's that like having somebody in your own house? And I'm like, I mean, most of us have had roommates like when we were younger and it's really not that different. Um, 
I think it works really well for us though, because my husband works a lot. He, um, you know, works a day job, but then he also does a lot of side work. He's an electrician and he goes to the gym all the time. And, um, you know, I work from home, but also our midterm tenant, like she works a lot too. So it definitely doesn't feel crowded in any way. I think it works out really well and it helps that, um, I didn't have to get somebody in there. So I had time to like get on FaceTime with her and just see if our personalities match up and make sure that this would fit her needs and everything. So good. So, so good. And I love the fact that not only is she helping you lower your mortgage payment, but you are providing a nice secure, safe, clean, um, mm-hmm. in a really good area housing for someone that is changing people's lives. So that has to feel good as well. I'm sure. Yeah. And like to be more transparent about the numbers, like she pays 1700 a month and that includes of course, like all utilities, internet. Um, and it costed me 1700 to furnish that room. Cause mm-hmm. I definitely didn't want to skimp out on it. Cause I was like, yeah. you know what, if this doesn't work out, I still want to at least have a really nice guest room. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, I made that money back in the first month and I made it a little bit juicier for her to get that 1700 a month because we did welcome pets and I included light pet care because I'm home most of the time. So I'm like, you know, I can walk the dog and take care of the dog and uh, while they're at work. And also our utility room, you have to walk through our daughter's room to get to it. So I included laundry service in the rent. So I'm like, you know, you don't have to worry about it. Just put your basket outside your door and I'll do it while you're at work and fold it and everything. Um, She actually doesn't really take us up on that because her and uh, our daughter have become really close. So she's totally comfortable, like going through her room to do it. But um, yeah. That is amazing. I just love how you're like, okay, how do I make it easier? And I love the fact that you're like, I'm going to furnish as well. Cause you could have gone to Facebook marketplace and got a whole bunch of hand-me-downs and, and which is nothing wrong with that. Right. But you're like, I want to do it up. Right. Cause it's kind of, it's yours anyway. So I love the fact that you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this up and do it well. So that's, and adding value to her, even though she's not using it now, she could still one day be like, okay, I'm running out. I have no socks or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and pet sitting, which I've never thought of, um, that um, adds value to her. And then you probably, are you bonding with the dog already? Oh my God. Yeah. I love them. I think um, <laughs> it's definitely preferable for me to just get to hang out with somebody else's dog versus being fully responsible for my own dog. So it's a pretty good situation all around. I, I bet it's like, it's like, um, when, when you take care of all other people's kids, they're great. But then at the end of the day, go. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that is so good. All right. So you guys do the house hack. You're really happy. What happens next for you guys? Um, next up, I mean, I really would like to keep up this pace of making one smart investment every quarter. And now that I've scaled back with my beauty business, as far as how much I work in that business, I do have the capacity to keep buying at this pace and self-managing, which I really like self-managing, honestly. Um, so I'd like to continue making one smart purchase a quarter. I would like to get into a slightly bigger asset um this time around i would love to get into like an 8 to 12 unit but um i'm not dead set on that 
But the shift that I'm making is, you know, we made these last three purchases so close together and um, we are in like a high ticket area. So I'm kind of maxed out for using my own capital to continue investing. So now is when I have to go over that same threshold that every investor ultimately has to go through where I pivot from using my own capital to other people's capital. So I've been um, having sort of interviews on Zoom with potential silent equity partners for this next deal. Ideally, people who they know the importance of investing their money. They see the money that other people are making through real estate investing and they want in on it, but they don't want to have to spend a year learning and they don't have the time to deal with it anyways. Maybe they are busy with a full-time job or they just don't really like have that passion for it, but they know that they should invest in something like that. Um, and they have capital lying around that they could use. So that's the perfect person for me. Um, I've had a lot of really great conversations and it's cool learning about other people's goals and timelines. So, um, I, yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, I would like to get into the next asset, um, very much 50, 50, I like the idea of splitting ownership 50-50 and splitting monthly cash flow 50-50 with the silent equity partner bringing 100% of the cost um, to close. So like down payment, closing costs, working capital. And then from there, we just split everything 50-50. So yeah, I'm excited about that. And I'd like to keep up with the one purchase a quarter through 2023 and then reassess. That is so good. Is there a reason why you chose a silent equity partner as opposed to someone that is an active partner? I had kind of like alluded to this before when I was talking about how great it is to just get to talk directly with the seller. I feel like there's a lot of value in having as few cooks in the kitchen as possible. Um, I actually was going down the path of investing with another active investor, like him and I were going to go in on something together. We were both very much like active investors and it just didn't really seem like it was something that was going to work out very smoothly because when both people are active, I feel like there's, you're more likely to butt heads. Um, I think it would just work best for me personally, for um, my partner to be someone who really just wants to like set it and forget it, get recap emails every month and get their cash flow check every month. Um, and there are so many people that I've talked to that have said, like, it kind of sounds too good to be true. And I'm like, that's perfect because the perfect partner for me is going to feel like this is too good to be true. And I'm going to feel like that also. And with real estate, like you had said earlier, everyone can win. A great real estate deal is where everyone wins. Nobody has to lose or sacrifice much. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I love it, especially because, like you said, they don't have to do any learning. Mm-hmm. You're going to find a deal. You're doing the numbers. You're managing. So it sounds like, oh, my God, they're putting all the money, but they're making money on money that was just sitting there, right? And now they're in the game without having to be in the game. They can continue to travel, do the things that they wanted to do, um, grow their career. And then you get to invest, manage, which you love anyway. And then, like you said, having less people in your business because you can run it the way you want to. Obviously you have proven that you can do it. And I love, the reason why I ask is because I know a lot of people have found this the hard way where they had an active partner and then realized like any little purchase, any little change or shift or any concession that you will have to make that they will have to like convince the other person or 
forego of the opportunity because the other person didn't see the value or were scared to do it. Yeah. I think like with, you know, one partner being silent, one partner being active, um, you can just go through things so much faster and easier instead of, like you said, having to touch base about every single little detail. Yeah. It's so amazing. Another thing that I love that you're doing in social media is you're so freaking active and you are letting people know, like, I, I don't know if you're shy, but it doesn't look like you are, but you can correct me. You are <laughs> all the time telling people, this is what I'm doing. You're interviewing people. You are telling them what kind of partners you're looking. You kind of have figured out social media. So talk to me, to me, uh, to us a little bit about how you figure that social media, like it just seems like you got it down. Yeah. So I had always used social media just like recreationally. And back in 2017, when I left my full-time job to try and get going with my beauty business, um, that was a really scary time. Like I really took a big leap of faith. And at that time, like we were kind of just getting by financially. We were not in a bad position at all, but we were very much paycheck to paycheck. Um, so it was very scary to leave that consistency. Um, but I was getting to the point where being at my full-time job was actually costing me money. I was missing opportunities Mm. to, um, make money in the beauty world. So, um, I, at that time, was of the mindset of, like, I'm going to eat, sleep, and breathe this beauty business because it just has to work. There's no other option. Um, Like, failure is not an option. I absolutely need to make this work, and I will do anything and everything. And one of those things was learning how to use social media effectively because it's a free marketing tool. And it's probably the best free marketing tool for small businesses of any kind. So I'm like, free is for me at this stage in my business. (laughs) I need to figure this out. So it was just a matter of like Googling myself to death, um, you know, just researching like what works on social media, any little like low, low cost webinars or booklets or anything that I could buy to become more informed on how to use it. I bought. Um, a lot of it is just like basic marketing and advertising principles. Um, but I think it's worth mentioning that like nobody's born knowing how to use Instagram effectively. So whenever I talk about this, some people will say, oh, I'm just not tech savvy or, oh, I just really like hate social media or I just don't know how to use it. But the argument is always the same. Like nobody's born knowing how to use it. If you want the end result that you could get from using it effectively, then you just have to figure it out and do the work to learn. Um, So yeah, I think I just, I already really knew how to use social media well because of my beauty business. So then when I got into real estate investing, the principles were already there. It was just a matter of like shifting my content to um, appeal to a different audience. So good. I love like how you took that huge leap of faith, started a beauty business, and then that allowed you to kind of practice and kind of how to promote yourself and what, what you guys do. And then when, when real estate investing came, you're like a pro, like I got this, like mm-hmm. you are in the DMs, like helping us. Cause uh, we finally got to meet, which is awesome. What a couple of weeks ago, it feels like. Yeah. And yeah. And now you're like encouraging others, like people like me. And we were talking about, so you are offering coaching for newbie real estate investors. How can they get a hold of you if they want to take advantage of that? 
Yeah. So I offer one-on-one coaching calls and that's for, you know, anyone who has a service-based business, beauty printers, um, anyone looking to get into real estate or anyone who's maybe like one or two steps behind me with real estate who just needs, you know, they feel stuck at some point and they need help. Um, on Instagram, I'm Jesse Dillon with an underscore at the end. And there's a link in my bio to book those one-on-one calls with me. Um, and just as a quick shout out to like, um, Kat and I, we had met finally in person a couple weeks ago, like you said, at the wire retreat, which if anyone listening, um, is not following wire on Instagram, they are W I I R E dot community. And, um, I've gone to two of their retreats and the first coaching calls that I had ever done as a newbie investor were with Amelia, one of the two people who runs wire, So just like as a testament to how impactful coaching calls can be and like paying for someone's time who's doing what you want to be doing. um, I think that really changed the trajectory of my life, honestly, because real estate um, has changed my life. It's changed what um, the rest of my life is going to look like. And it's really all because of mentoring. Absolutely. And I love the fact that you and I are both in the same state. I mean, it's a pretty big state that we're in the same state. And I don't think we will have ever crossed paths if you hadn't been for wire. So I posted something and then you're jumped and you're like, give me some amazing uh, resources. And then you were able to be a guest on the podcast before. And then we got to meet each other at the, the last retreat, which was life changing. So I think community and social media, really, like, again, being in the same stage, uh, but probably would not have ever met had it been for social media and the wire community. So I'm glad that we're connected and that you're doing this. And I love the fact that you're helping newbie um, real estate investors. Cause I, I, I was telling you before we started recording that it's that first property. Mm-hmm. Once you have that first property, there's something about the sky opens up and then you feel like, <laughs> Oh my God, I can do this. So I'm yeah. so glad that and you said something that I believe wholeheartedly in is working with someone that is only a few steps ahead. Because mm-hmm. let's say that somebody that's brand new wants to work with someone like Pace Morby, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with Pace, right? But Pace has 10,055 properties, you know? So he might not be able to relate to someone that is just starting in, or the time, or also the, the cost of entry, right? His fee is going to be uh, cost prohibitive, right? So I love the fact that you mentioned that, because I do believe in working with someone that remembers what it's like to be a newbie, but has already proof of concept, which is so important. That's a really good point. And I, um, a couple months ago, I did an Instagram live with Sarah Weaver and up until she had said it, I didn't really connect that that's what was going on for me. But as I would scroll through Instagram, like following all these people in the real estate world that I look up to, a lot of times it would just make me feel like shit. Like I would Mm. scroll through, you know, all these people who are light years ahead of me, like on a complete playing a completely different game than me. And I'm like, you know, why does this make me feel like I'm not doing enough? Like, why does this make me feel like I'm like a loser and so far behind? Because I know I'm doing great things, like especially for my first year. And I realized that it's because it is just so much more inspiring and motivating to connect with people who are like two or three steps ahead of you. And I think that's why like I booked coaching calls with Amelia because I heard her podcast episode and was like, okay, I think she's like two years ahead of me. That's really easy to grasp. And I feel like that's more approachable. Whereas like 
I never would have booked a call with somebody, um, you know, who has like 10,000 properties because Mm -hmm. a, that's actually not even what I'm trying to do. And they probably forget what it's like to be in the position that I'm in right now. So, and on that live, Sarah Weaver was, that was her big suggestion, like to, um, get a mentor that's only like three steps ahead of you. And that was just like a light bulb moment for me. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I love Sarah Duch. She's being on the podcast and she's going to be again because she's got her new book and we're talking about, uh, we're going to talk about all the things that she does. I love her to death too. So I'm just so glad that we are connected in person and in la- and social media, which I feel like I spend a lot of time on, but I love it. I love these, these digital relationships that I have developed and cultivated and they are as real as if you were here for me anyway. Yeah. And that just speaks to the value of social media, which we've touched on a couple of times. And you had said before, like, oh, you must not be shy because like you're so active on social media. But for anyone listening who is kind of afraid of putting themselves out there or showing their face or like talking on their stories, like um, I definitely was not comfortable at all kind of bearing all on social media when I started. I definitely was not comfortable going live when I started. Um But eventually, like you just get more and more comfortable as you go, as you force yourself through, like showing your face on your feed, um, talking on your story, going live. Every time you do it, it gets more comfortable. And people who are afraid to put themselves out there on social media, I get it because you are afraid of judgment. You don't want people to see what you're doing and think you look or sound stupid, but there's going to be more people who love what you're doing. And also, no matter what you're doing, there's going to be people who are judging you anyways. So you might as well just put yourself out there and get that result that you're looking for from social media. Absolutely. I I agree 110%. I started social media. um, I taught myself how to be on video before live streamings were a thing. So by the time live streams came, I had already... No, I don't say master, but I was very comfortable on camera. And I cannot tell you how much it has served me to have developed that skill because I use it every day in every area of my life. And I I recommend it to everyone. Mm -hmm. So there's a question that I asked everyone. I know I asked you a few months ago, but maybe who knows what you're going to say. So um, you've been doing this for a little bit. What are some things that you wish you have known then that you know now? Hmm. I think one big thing would be that I wish I knew maybe six months ago, that every single investor pretty much deals with the same problems, like, Mm -hmm. or challenges or roadblocks. Like, there was a while where I kind of felt like I messed something up along the way, like I must have done something wrong, that I ran out of capital after these three deals, where now I don't have my own capital anymore to continue investing. I, for some reason, thought that like that meant I totally screwed up and I did everything wrong. And um, then I went to BPCon and in the female investors panel, I believe it was, I realized that like this is a point where every single investor ultimately gets to this point where they are maxed out with their personal capital and they need to start using other people's capital if they want to continue investing. So I was like, oh, not only is this not a problem, but it's (laughs) something that every single person, they either have hit this point and pushed past it or they're at this point or they're going to get to that point. Um, so that was actually a really big mindset shift for me that I took away from BPCon that helped me push forward to the next step. So 
I wish I knew getting started that like having to switch over to using other people's capital didn't wasn't a bad thing it didn't mean that I did something wrong it's just like a necessary pivot point that everyone hits that is so good I love that I love 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 that and it's the, the not knowing right and I love the fact that you are one of the people that is very transparent I know Emilia and Grace are also very transparent in their journey because some of these gurus they love to present like flowers and rainbows and <laughs> butterflies and everything is wonderful and nothing ever goes wrong and it's like that's not even life like forget about real estate in life and marriage and kids and all that stuff. Like we have crappy days. Um, we drop the coffee, you know, like life happens. And I love the people that are doing what I aspire to do, that they keep it a hundred percent because it doesn't make you feel like, oh my God, I messed up. And it's like, dude, we're dealing with the same thing too. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so much more inspired. Like that's so much more inspiring yeah. for me personally to hear about people who I think of as like real estate gods. Yeah. <laughs> um, when they speak to like things that are still going wrong in their businesses, yeah. that like gives me so much faith and confidence. Like that makes me feel awesome. And I'm like, wow, like things aren't perfect for them either. And I feel like nobody really talks about the emotional roller coaster of buying real mm. estate either. And um, we had kind of touched on this earlier where I was saying how I had that quick crying fit <laughs> after I found out I had to come up with another 30 grand. Yeah. Um, and maybe this isn't talked about a lot because there are far fewer women investing in real estate than yeah. men, but it is a huge emotional roller coaster. And when I was starting, that was probably the most challenging part because I felt like it wasn't that way for everyone else. And I was just this like emotional mess that like couldn't take it, but it is such a roller coaster. There's so many highs and lows as you're like, you know, going from the point of making an offer to closing on a property. Oh my God. Um, at BPCon, actually, uh, who was it? Avery Carl. She had joked that like, when you are buying real estate, you turn into the worst version of yourself. And it was so funny because like I'm there with my husband and he just turned and looked at me and I knew he was going to because <laughs> like it's just it's such a rocky time. Like it's so up and down, you know, and I just think nobody talks about that enough. So yeah. then when new investors experience that, they feel like maybe they're doing something wrong. But that's just how it is. Yeah. And I think uh, I love, love that you said that because another thing that people don't talk about, they think is, oh, you got, you have five doors, right? Yeah. And they, they think she made five offers and all the offers were accepted and she, everything went well in all those five offers. And they don't realize from five doors, who knows how many properties you looked at, how many offers you made, how many deals fell through. So people don't talk about that. And they think it's like, oh, they have 10 doors. They made 10 offers and everything went well. Like, oh yeah, no. right. Well, <laughs> maybe in certain markets it's like that. But yeah. so I had started making offers actually this time last year. And um, of the three properties that I have, I've had five offers accepted in total and two deals fell through. Um, I ended up backing out of them um, in both situations. So, but- Is that a good decision or a bad decision? Uh, backing up, backing up. Oh no, they were definitely good decisions, I think, because okay. um, as I backed out of each one, you know, you have that moment where you're like, I'm a failure, but <laughs> then immediately like, something way better came about. So like when we were buying a short-term rental, I got one under contract after probably making like 10 offers, I got one under contract, which I thought was pretty good. 
Um, and it was in a little bit more remote of an area than I was really hoping for, but the numbers still looked pretty good. And, um, I loved the house, but a lot came up in the inspections and the seller was not willing to wiggle at all, like in any way, not a dollar, you know? Um, I think it was a situation where she didn't want to sell. She had to sell. So she was going to make it difficult, Um, which I totally understand. I mean, that's a shitty situation to be in. But ultimately, I had to just pull out. I did get my earnest money back, but I had spent about $1,500 on inspections that I didn't get back. But it was a good learning experience. And I was bummed. But two days later, I got an offer accepted on the house that we did end up purchasing that I think is a way better investment because the location is so much better. So good. I love that. And I love the fact that you were willing to walk away from $1,500, which is nothing to sneeze about, right? But in the long term, um, it was, it, I call it tuition. So I'm sure that you're not going to forget those lessons. And when you are coaching people or when you're buying the next properties, uh, you'll know that you can, there's some money that you can walk away. It's worth walking away from. Mm-hmm. It was a tough decision to make, but for that property, I did use a buyer's agent because it's about two and a half hours away from me. Um, and her and I kind of went back and forth about like, should we pull out? Should we not? And, um, it was nice that she was so supportive and really helped me come to the right decision on that. So good. So good. I I think we can talk about real estate forever. We we (laughs) might have to do a live or something one of these days, because I know it's such a great, great conversation. And also I, I feel really called to have more women like the show, has had the most women, I think. Um, I want more women and young girls to see that women can buy real estate, that women can be wealthy and women can do, we can really do anything that we set our minds to. But um, even if it's difficult, even if not other women are doing it, you can do it too. So I am glad that you're doing it at such a young age. You are inspiring us oldies. Uh, so thank you for, for doing that and for being brave because it does take a lot of courage to, to say, I'm going to do this thing that uh, people maybe in your family have not done before. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We're going to have all your information inside the show notes so people can follow you on Instagram, uh, check you out if they're ever in Massachusetts, uh, check out your, your place, your beauty place. I know that um, you do great work there. I've seen all the testimonials. I see all the artists. I love all of that stuff. Cannot wait to make my way there. Thank you so much, Jesse. I cannot wait to hopefully have you soon again on the podcast. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. You're very welcome. 